Welcome to the first episode of Rock and Roll With Me, a podcast inspired by great music and the people who make it. Chances are you recognized what we just heard as David Bowie's Heroes. Off of the Heroes album, this song is one of David Bowie's most famous. There's been tons of copies sold and downloaded worldwide, and it's been featured in movies and TV shows ever since its release. 
The album is part of what is often referred to as the Berlin Trilogy, a series of albums that includes the 1977 Low, Heroes, and Lodger from 1979. This time in Bowie's career was heavily influenced by what was going on in a post-war Germany, as we heard in Heroes. I, I can remember, standing by the wall, and the guns shot above our heads, and we kissed as though nothing could fall. And the shame was on the other side, oh we can beat them forever and ever, then we could be heroes just for one day. The lyrics to this song were translated to French and German, although Bowie never seemed very skilled in any language other than English. Even with his years in Berlin, he claims his German never got good enough to do much more than to order himself food and ask for cigarettes. During his first ever show in Ireland, Bowie opened with an attempted greeting in Gaelic, which one of the concert's viewers described as being awful, and said it seemed as though Bowie had written the words on the back of his guitar to avoid forgetting them. It might seem kind of surprising that someone could spend years in Germany and not learn any German. But thankfully for Bowie, he wasn't there alone. Well, I'm just a modern guy. Of 
Bowie's move from Los Angeles to Berlin was prompted by his cocaine addiction and a need he felt for a change of scenery. He claims he had been living mostly off of milk and was spending his time telling the press why he believed that Hitler was as good a rock star as Mick Jagger. Since he had met Iggy Pop in 1971, the two had become good friends. Over his career, Bowie would record versions of several Iggy Pop songs, including Neighborhood Threat, Tonight, and China Girl. They had known each other since the early days of Iggy's solo career, when Bowie was still trying to find success. Given that Iggy was fighting a heroin addiction, it made sense that in 1976, they would move into an apartment in Berlin together. The last song we heard, Lust for Life, is on Iggy Pop's album of the same name. Bowie and Iggy worked on it together, and had done the same earlier that year on The Idiot. The entirety of the album only took eight days to complete. Iggy says he went on hardly any sleep. Quote, See, Bowie's a hell of a fast guy. I realized I had to be quicker than him. Otherwise, whose album was it going to be? Iggy had an unusual method of coming up with lyrics. He would hear the music for his songs and improvise the words as they were being recorded. The music for Lost for Life has a fairly interesting origin story. While they were in Berlin, Iggy and Bowie often watched TV together, and each week the American forces had a time slot where they were able to broadcast their news. At the beginning of each broadcast, a moving Radio Tower logo would play across the screen, along with a simple little beeping tune. One evening, while they were waiting for the program to start, Bowie picked up a ukulele from next to them and played some chords that matched what they saw on screen. He handed the uke to Iggy and told him it was a song called Lust for Life.
that you'll make love to me, strange as it seems, someday we'll meet, and you'll drown my tears, then whisper sweet little things in my ears, a hugging and a kissing. That was Billie Holiday's Lover Man. On the internet, it's been called one of 1945's best songs. Clearly, the jazz scene in the United States was thriving that year. But given that I began with stories about Berlin, you've probably thought of something else that happened in 1945. After years of trying to get into German government, Adolf Hitler led Germany into the Second World War. He's remembered for a genocide, for propaganda, and for masterfully brainwashing citizens into following him. By 1945, 5.3 million German soldiers had died. And that number would have been way higher if I were counting in civilians and victims of concentration camps. Cities had been blown up and completely destroyed. Families had been torn apart, and food was hard to find. But the winners of the war, the Soviets, the French, the British, and the USA, still wanted to put Germany in its place, to kill out any remaining Nazis, to control the population. Germany was split up into different areas that would be occupied by the Allied forces and by the Russians. The capital city of Berlin was clearly in the Soviet Union's zone, but the other countries insisted that they get an area of the city. The Soviets had come out on the winning side of World War II by just not being Germans. The Allies were strongly against communism, and had circumstances been different, would have cared much more about Stalin's damage to his population. Because of the hate and tension between the two groups, the city was eventually split in 1961 and divided physically by the Berlin Wall. Families were separated by the wall. People couldn't reach their jobs if they were employed in the other area of Berlin. The Allies struggled to bring food and resources to Berlin, since the Soviets wouldn't allow them to transport goods through their occupied region. People on both sides of the wall were desperate and afraid. Pain has been known to lead to art. The more emotion a person has, the more imagination a person can access. Berlin, Bowie said, the greatest cultural extravaganza a person could imagine.
It is, of course, completely impossible to try to talk about The Wall without including a song from Pink Floyd's The Wall. So that was Goodbye Blue Sky. Unfortunately, though, this isn't going to be an episode about Pink Floyd. This is an episode about Bowie, and this is an episode about Berlin. One thing about Berliners, the rest of Germany can't stand Berliners, and Berliners look down on the rest of Germany. As far as they're concerned, they have a much stronger wit. Very caustic, cynical wit, Bowie said in an interview with Chris Hoddenfield for a 1979 edition of Rolling Stone magazine. To Bowie, Berlin was the, quote, center of everything that is happening and will happen in Europe for the next few years.
Brian Eno, another British musician taking refuge in Berlin, teamed up with Bowie to create Low, something that was big and bizarre, a new musical language. Inspired by German proto-techno music, cosmish music, sometimes called Krautrock, everything about this album was unique and experimental. Eno had put out an album called Another Green World that, like Low, is full of free-form sound bending. Combinations of instruments and synthesized noise, vocals here and there. Bowie had begun to play around with this type of music on station to station, but thanks to Eno, he was able to take it much further. While working on The Idiot with Iggy Pop, Bowie got reconnected with Tony Visconti, a producer he had been working with off and on since 1969. Bowie and Eno asked Visconti if he would be up for wasting a month of his time on experimental music that might not amount to anything at all. His response? Wasting a month of my time with David Bowie and Brian Eno is not wasting a month of my time. The album had a pretty incredible effect on a lot of listeners. Musician David Satek said, That particular album... That song, Warsaw, that's when I knew music was the ultimate force, at least in my own life. Carlos Alomar, a guitar player who had worked with Bowie on many records, said, When I got low, I turned off all the lights in my apartment, and I turned up the systems, and man, I was in space. It was awesome.
Thanks a lot for listening to this episode of Rock and Roll with me. My name's Ava, and if you've got a story that needs to be told and a song that has to be heard, you can send me an email at avahooks at gmail.com. For now, peace out, rock on, and make sure to tune back in again.